Welcome back to There's Always Another Podcast, a Brandon Sanderson reading and rereading podcast. I am Justin, and as usual, I am joined by... Tech Week Beth. Fully awake Sam. <laughs> I'm very cold because I forgot to tell my heater to turn on when I was about to get out of bed. So it just didn't turn on until I went to do it. So we're really cold here. Oh, also, I'm Caleb. Hi, Caleb. <laughs> Yeah, it is a, a rare early morning recording for us here on the podcast. We are going to be finishing the book this weekend. We're recording our final episode of part five today. Uh, and then in just a couple of days, we will be recording again to wrap this book up. So I'm very excited about that. There's a... It's going to be quite an episode this week. Battle of <laughs> Luthadel. Yeah. We are we are causing ourselves our own Sanderland of practically back to back recordings. Pretty much, but I don't know. I think at this point of the book, I think that's a good way to do it. Actually, yeah. I mean, at the end of the book, like, there's no what's at the end of the book predictions anymore. So it'll be more like, what's next book going to be about? Mm-hmm. It'll be about Vin going on an adventure. You say that, but I feel like. I feel like part six still has some some things in store oh part six still has a thinking about what happened what i know happens in this book and what still hasn't happened i was like wow part six is wild we we got still got a lot more book in this book yeah it felt like we did yeah what are you talking about the armies are gone i mean that they are <laughs> there's nothing left to deal with the third hit mistborn book Hero of Ages, Vin just has a peaceful, cool life because Luthadel's been saved. It's a Vin <laughs> Beach Day. It's a slice of life book. <laughs> I would love a Vin Beach Day episode. I feel like she would hate the beach, but conceptually, <laughs> I love it. Oh, God. If this was an anime, that would be that one episode you tell everyone to skip. Like the spa <laughs> episode in Gurren Lagann. Listen, Avatar did a fantastic beach episode. It's possible. There was a there was a webcomic called Irregular Webcomic, which was very strange and also posted on a very regular schedule. <laughs> um, but it was very like mathy or sciencey or other academic y. Uh, and then after the comic was posted, he would write this potentially like pages long uh, discussion of whatever he happened to talk about in the comic. And it was actually fascinating. Uh, but at one point he did one uh, where the entire comic was just four black panels because of the story that was happening at the time. Uh, and then the news post was this whole like philosophical analysis about art and structure and all that. And he posited, he was talking about how the physical nature of a book spoils something about the ending because you can see how much book there is left. And so he was thinking about writing a book where towards the end, it just subtly starts drifting more and more off topic until you realize, hey, wait a second, this is actually just done, isn't it? <laughs> and then you, you go back and you realize, okay, this is the point where the actual story stops. I think that is a fascinating examination, examination of structure and would make me so mad. <laughs> right? I have related news that is perhaps bad news for Beth, but I have thought about um, 
uh, we are watching JoJo together, and I have thought about. I think I would announce. Okay, tonight we'll probably be able to finish part three or part four, or whatever. Um, but I think I'm not going to say how many episodes are left. I'm just going to be like, all right, we have enough left that we'll finish it tonight. Because there's some JoJo parts where it's like, what What do you mean there's more to go? That has yeah. to be it. <laughs> yeah, so we should see in this book that we are reading right now, uh, what does happen with our second to last part and then what's left for our final part. Who's left? What's left? What's left? Who's left? I mean, that is a uh, a relevant question to ask this section. And we <laughs> oh God, get you're to right. That. Hey, whoever's left is doing all right. Not Orsora, though. You know, I'm going to say bef- before we get started, the the quality of predictions this book and last book has been in in some cases shocking to Beth and I of things that have been been called out, uh, but on predictions of who's going to die i believe you two collectively are batting zero (laughs) i do i i want to say looking back i really should have guessed that spoilers for the episode um i really should have guessed tindwell was going to Mm. die not because there was any foreshadowing for it but just because if i had guessed that she would die then she would have lived because i just cannot guess who's going to live and who's going to die (laughs) And I would have been able to uh, uh, toy with fate by guessing the opposite of what was actually going to happen. Mm-hmm. I was eventually right about Dachshund, but right in the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. Eventually. Yeah. All right. We should, uh, I think, begin the part here. Yeah. Uh, starting with chapter 52 uh, and our epigraph thereof, Quan is uh, regretting... Uh, what he has, or maybe not regretting, he has, he is uh, discussing how his efforts have not succeeded, uh, which he includes his pleas, his teachings, his objections, and his treasons. Uh, but that Elendi now has other people on his side and is not listening. Mm. Interesting. What does treasons plural mean? How do you have time to pull off multiple of those? You'd think <laughs> it would be a lot of work to do even one treason do a treason and we've seen the pace at which Quan works it does not seem to lend itself to multiple treasons Uh, but yes we resume our chapter right in the thick of things with the the battle at the gates uh, and we see this from Breeze's side which is not a side that's very well equipped to deal with the battle that is happening uh, and he's doing what he can, and he he's helping uh, in his way, but uh, this is perhaps not the place that he wants to or should be. Can I just say, I really appreciate how almost every change in POV, Brandon starts with the first name of the person whose POV it is. Like the first word, Breeze. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Breeze POV. <laughs> I also appreciate that I think our two main points of view for the Battle of the Dell are two people who very much do not enjoy or want to be fighting. Yes. says it has like the the Barukami that allows him to be good at fighting, but it's it's mostly Breeze and Zazid for this section, and both of them are like, I would rather be anywhere else, honestly. Um, <laughs> whereas Ham 
we barely see and docs we only see when it's too late um and i feel like those two are more you know docs enjoys running the battle and uh ham enjoys fighting and we don't get to see any of that we don't get to see people being good at what they do um which i think helps drive home the kind of the terror of the battle that's to come I had to uh, pull this page up again, but I, I got back to the annotations, uh, which where Brandon says, uh, instead of focusing on the trained warriors during the Siege of Luthadel, I spend my time inside the heads of Breeze and Sazed, the two least experienced with war and killing in the entire crew. This is intentional. <laughs> Good yeah. job, Brandon. We've caught on to your game. <laughs> Yeah, he he ends this this note with uh, in in other fantasy books you've seen brave warriors defend a city. Now watch a politician and a scholar try to do it. Yeah, the the attack is here. Uh, Breeze is is trying to help uh, support the the army or the the force that is there uh, with his soothing, trying to to keep morale up at least somewhat uh, because the. The gates are are under attack. Uh, we are very shortly uh, joined by by clubs, who is uh, says that things are going well, because I think clubs has a a more um, pessimistic and or realistic take on uh, their expected success, and so he sees that the gates are are still holding, and the army has not broken yet, and says yes, this is. This is this is good so far, and Clubs is a seasoned veteran, so I trust him to be able to help us through this entire battle. Mm. The whole thing, whole thing, and he'll be there at the end of the book too, saying, "Congrats, Vin, you did it." They all stand <laughs> in a circle and, and they clap and go, "Omedato, omedato, congratulations." <laughs> this is where I predicted that Clubs would never die. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Um, I did predict Breeze would die when I started reading this chapter because it was very <laughs> much well because I was yeah no it got worse like when I came to my guesses it got worse but um, <laughs> uh, and I just I figured the arc would be him finding his bravery and uh, going out in one last place of glory and in fact as we will get to the opposite kind of happens um, which yeah. uh, I'll have more to talk about later but was fascinating to me. There's also I I like the. Uh, the exchange at the end of this section before we we swap POVs, uh, where uh, Clubs does talk a little bit about his his military history, uh, given that, and I don't think we've been over this before, but if he was in you know a formal army, that would mean he was in the Lord Ruler's army, uh, and and so he talks about how uh, they they were you know they were victorious, and then says you know of course we had the Colons on our side. Which does does change things a bit, yeah. and then uh, from there, we have to see uh, Vin because Vin is uh, most definitely not in Luthadel, and that is a big problem right now. So, uh, and she is now uh, attempting one hell of a pewter drag to to get herself back there, uh, and she she says she's prepared for it but it is still not a, a good experience. Yeah. Hopeless, but she's running anyway. It's also, uh, it puts her in a an interesting place because she did go on ahead uh, without Elland and Spook. 
and and the the way that a pewter drag works does kind of lend it to being alone with your own thoughts for a bit so she does get some uh some time to to think about what happened when they were sent away uh now now she's going back uh, how she you know she's thinking a lot about trust and the the people who she does trust so it's an interesting state of mind and another death flag for says it dear dear says it <laughs> i miss him already <laughs> god you're right i'm still batting zero this whole i mean people died and i just didn't get any of them right <laughs> uh. i do think she is in a very interesting position here of like halfway to where she was when Kelsier died of realizing oh people i care about knew they were going to die and didn't do anything about it and i just have to deal with that but now she's in the horrible position of it hasn't happened yet it's probably yeah. going to but it hasn't happened yet and so i have to uh run no matter what um yeah it's just like that that headspace of it feels inevitable, but I still have to at least try to do something about it. It's 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 a rough one. Uh, returning then to Luthadel, uh, Breeze having uh, a similar chance to to take a moment and think uh, of you know how did how did all of this like Brandon says how are how are we the people here trying to do this right now? And he says it quietly. It's weird how many quiet conversations are happening. <laughs> before in, this in battle in the midst of a battle yeah with them beating on the gate i like yeah, okay i don't know you know what we do have in this section though uh is a a title drop for the part uh as we do have both snow and ash you did it brandon <laughs> yeah we were we were contemplating whether that would happen at the end of last episode and it was only like two pages away Going to another side of the battle, uh, like we said, we've seen Breeze and then also Sazed here, uh, who is trying to uh, help maintain one of the other gates. And the first thing that we hear is that one of the other gates has been breached. So we're only, you know, what, an hour into this battle and things are already looking precarious for Luthadel. I just questioned, like it's knowledge is power right it's great battles going on you need to know what's going on uh why bother saying this to say and then just leaving <laughs> like later on he asks for soldiers but here he's just like hey the gate's been breached o okay just so you know <laughs> things are bad yeah he like this messenger is going to to docs who is the one who probably should know given that he's coordinating a lot of this this battle uh, I wonder if Sazed is just also the kind of person who the, the messenger thinks, you know what, Sazed should know this. <laughs> He'll know what to do. Sazed feels like he's really thinking about his point of view currently, and I feel like having <laughs> this information would be helpful. There is also, you know, Doc's positioned various crew members at the different gates to say, like, when the noblemen terribly fuck up and lose their ship, you can step in and lead, which is actively happening. Uh, we see the nobleman in charge of Sazed's Gate just start to lose it pretty much immediately. 
So I'm guessing people are looking for just any calm authority figure in a, like, 30-foot radius. And if that's what you're looking for, says it is probably a good choice. I agree. Although, you know, that being said... Uh, once the messenger departs, we do uh, see Sazed with his his thoughts for a bit, uh, and he is definitely not. He does not consider this a, a place that he should be. Merlin alert! Merlin alert! Merlin alert! Chips flipped over the Merlin. We, we do in fact have Sazed uh, hiding behind a wall, very close to a Merlin. But what kind of chips? I'm going to presume that they are chips of stone but they do in fact remain hypothetical chips <laughs> they could be ruffles they could be better made you know i would buy that captain beads just had like a little little tiny bowl of chips that was balanced on top of the merlin and then when the merlin got hit the bowl like tumbled over and it was an embarrassing oh no the chips as it the falls chips. all over says it that was crucial to our morale <laughs> You'll notice that's exactly when the young captain starts uh, really freaking out. So, you know, it all checks out. <laughs> I do appreciate that Sazed tries to give a little Tindwell pep talk of like, look, you just got to give him orders. And then he's like, I don't know what which orders. And Sazed's like, At, just any orders. Just, just say any orders. And you can tell it doesn't quite take the same way that if Tindwell were here. Um, but Sazed's trying his best. Yeah, and very rapidly he does end up kind of assuming um, charge of this crew more directly. And he, yeah, he he's trying to uh, to to get the people. The, there's civilians here, and he's trying to get them uh, out to safety. Uh, and they have some some interesting thoughts on what's about to happen, uh, which is that uh, the they are are waiting for the lady heir for vin to arrive and save the city uh, which as as readers of a book we might expect is is the thing that's going to happen um and that's another thing that that brandon mentions in the annotations is uh you know cutting back to vin's pov we we're we're seeing you know is she going to make it in time uh, but there is there is kind of an expectation that Yes, she is, and she's going to save the day. It's just a question of how dire are things going to get before that point. I, I think this is also um, what Sazed needed. Like, if there weren't civilians at risk, would he have just, like, fled or hid or something? Mm. I, I don't know. He's very civilian-minded, that, that man. So uh, There's also a thing that is, that is happening here, uh, which is that uh, people kind of in in rings around Kelsier are picking up uh dramatic titles uh as as these these people are waiting for the lady heir uh and they are they're telling this to Sazed who is the the holy first witness uh as the one who was there uh supporting Vin when the lord ruler died so uh it has to be an unusual experience for Sazed and fuck marsh i guess <laughs> Marsh was yeah. also there, but technically Marsh didn't see it. Technically that's, speaking, that's true. So I guess witness. maybe that's that's what it is. And uh, yeah, before they are rudely interrupted by a a coloss directly attacking, 
there is there's a moment where says it is trying to deflect the this reverence uh, and and they point out that vin also does this thing uh, and he tries to protest he's you know that's that's what vin does but <laughs> it is it is very similar i am not the messiah he is the messiah and, well, with says's case it's you know, i'm not the messiah's closest friend and advisor <laughs> i mean it is hard it's hard to disclaim like eh, i was okay but it's not yeah, that you did do those things <laughs> i do love the irony that i do think at one point say did bring up like well since you're the lady heir this is just something you might have to deal with and was like Mm-hmm. Not dismissive of it, but was like, yeah, Vin, that's just something that happens sometimes. And now he's put in the same position. He's like, oh, God, yeah, no, this does suck. I do not like this. <laughs> Especially since he is starting to believe that Vin is the hero of ages. And yeah. we've seen everything that she's grappling with there. And now <laughs> he's like, oh, wait, wait, no. <laughs> that does put you in a position as well. Yeah. Uh, but those, we don't really have time to dwell on those thoughts because the Kolos are starting to breach the top of the wall. Uh, the Captain Beads departs from this story just as, as rapidly as he <laughs> arrived. Uh, as he is flung over the, uh, or, or, or off of the wall. And uh, we will not be seeing him again, unfortunately. Uh, I was going to cast him as someone important. <laughs> I was thinking about casting him, but uh, so I, this will not be official since he's in the book for so long. So I'll just say, whoever voiced Ben in Telltale's The Walking Dead, I just had that voice, and so I was like, whoever did that voice, that should just be Beats. Uh, we do have though, uh, we have a hit on a prediction. Yay! Uh, it was I, I think two parts ago that Sam wanted to see Sazed fighting a a coloss with the aid of of Farikemi. Uh, and we do, in fact, have the return of Swolzed. Swolzed! Uh, to an even greater extent than we saw before. I was going to uh, say, this is Swolzed Prime. He is yeah. going all out. Uh, at the end of, of Final Empire, we saw Sazed use his, his pewter uh, to give himself a, a, a significant amount of strength. Uh, but at this point, like, for lack of a better term, hulks out. Hmm. <laughs> Can I say I my prediction is my prediction is greater than that because I predicted that he would do an Ant-Man Leviathan punch. You sure did. <laughs> and this is what happens. He gets real big and turns around and just punches this Coloss in the face. And yeah, it it works. Oh, he gets so too good. buff for his clothes. He has to take his robes off cuz he's so swole. Does he take them off or does he just I they might just go Hulk style. He it I do love okay, this because it is still says it. I yes, practically I imagine him like folding it neatly to one side, <laughs> but he does pull his robe over his head. Uh, I do also want to start a, a counter of not just Coloss defeated, uh, but specifically Coloss defeated by their face folding around something and its skull cracking. <laughs> yeah, Coloss are kind of weird physically. That's true. Earth except as otherwise noted. So with a uh, a moment of uh, of the fight turning with you know one Coloss defeated there, uh, we go back to Vin 
and it's uh, it's not going well. This this pewter drag is uh, even more extended than I, I think she was prepared for, uh, and is she's you know on the point of collapse here, and realizes also quite reasonably that. Uh, if and, and this is something that she pointed out to Kelsier back in uh, when they were uh, heading to try to save the army, is if you are arriving at a battle after a pewter drag and then have to start fighting in the battle, it's not going to go well. Yeah. <laughs> but the the place that she has has stopped at turns out to be uh, a, a small village, which there are. Uh, a few around Luthadel that are just kind of around the the outskirts, but yeah, there's you know a, a couple of houses. It's a very small place, uh, but she stops here, and she sees Ska just kind of living a life, which is not what she was really expecting to see. And they're laughing and having a good time. She. Uh, goes up to one of these these places, uh, knocks, requests to come in, and they see her and and see you know this small girl who's soaked from being in the snow and and in a, you know terrible shape and they're like oh you know you 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 poor girl, let us help you, uh, and and she is uh, she's a bit annoyed at at this. <laughs> She's like, I am trying to save the world here. <laughs> she also, during this exchange, has the thought, I refuse to accept their deaths until I hold their corpses in my arms. Uh, to which I wrote in my notes, metal, and also, uh-oh. Because um, that sure felt like it was foreshadowing. And it kind of is, but not for Vin, uh, which is no. an interesting detail. What she's uh, she's trying to do here is is get more... Uh, she's trying to get more pewter to to continue her her pewter drag. Uh, it might not be quite alimentically pure, so that might have some consequences. But she's willing to pay that price at this point. She tries to. She's thinking of of what she can do. Uh, perhaps the 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 spike way, the way that she got back and forth from Luthadel and Feliz. Uh, but there's those are in, only in very specific places. Uh, she has an idea, uh, makes a, a sudden request for horseshoes, and uh, also notes that these these people who are helping her uh, are, are perhaps realizing uh, not, uh, not yet who she is. They do get there, um, but they're realizing that this is not a, uh, you know, a poor lost girl. But yeah, she gets her uh, a... a, a, a pile of, of horseshoes which are convenient metal objects and uh, she still has enough iron and steel that she can do a, a decent amount of that uh, and so is is going to try to kind of build her own spikeway here with the horseshoes as she goes like a tank on treads pretty much with yeah. e each bit of the the tread cycling around to to get pushed off against as she's preparing to head off, we also get the exchange of who are you, nobody of consequence, which is a cheeky little Princess Bride reference that I very much appreciated. That was cute. <laughs> I assume. I mean, like, 
It's one of my favorite exchanges in cinema history. So if Brandon happened <laughs> to also write that, then I guess it's good writing, but also I'm sad that it's not a Princess Bride reference. He does not call it out as such in the annotations, but I would not be surprised. I feel like it's either it's an intentional reference or Brandon forgot that that exchange was from Princess Bride when he thought of it and just assumed it was original, which like... I, I'm not going to be angry about, but that, that it has to be Princess Bride reference. <laughs> I refuse to believe. This is going in the theory section now. Oh, boy. Let me briefly see what I can find. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say, let me briefly put that down in our, our theory tracking. Probably won't happen, but it would be interesting if Brandon admits that he took this from Princess Bride. Next time we get a signing, this must be the question. <laughs> You're asking the right question at the wrong time. What do you mean? <laughs> I'm not seeing anything come up right away. Uh, the The searches are mostly uh, populated by uh, Brandon's most recent book, uh, Tress of the Emerald Sea, which I still need to finish. I have not finished it yet. Uh, oh, which so is good. is narrated by a an irreverent character. Uh, in a somewhat similar fashion to the way that that Princess Bride has a very active narrator voice. In fact, I believe the original book for Princess Bride is from the grandson's perspective uh, the, the entire time. I don't think the grandpa's even a character in the book. Well, it's it, it, the original Princess Bride is supposedly like an annotated and abridged version of the original story. Okay. Where the, okay. the the author who did the annotations and the abridging has opinions about the story. Right. <laughs> but in any case, we remain here in Well of Ascension, where there may or may not be a Princess Bride reference. <laughs> but there is a very cool alimentic way of traveling. Yes. I really with, like this. Yeah, where where Vin is is pushing off of a uh a horseshoe on the ground and then pulling it back to her to send it further on so that she can then push against it again and is just using uh, three of these horseshoes continuously uh, to speed her along to Luthadel. And we will see when she manages to arrive. And I will say, I very much appreciate that it takes her a little while to get going because when I figured out what she was going to do, my first thought was, that's really cool. But my second thought was immediately... That feels like it takes a lot of focus and probably a lot of practice. And I do appreciate that Brandon clarified that, like, no, she didn't just nail it. Like, she fell over a couple times. She couldn't get, like, she had to go, like, two or three horses at a time um, before she really got going. Um, and I just really appreciated that of, like, taking the moment to acknowledge that, yeah, this is a pretty tricky thing she's doing mm -hmm. uh, without taking too much away from the story either. We will see uh, how far she's gotten when we get back to her POV. Uh, going on to chapter 53, uh, another epigraph with a, a significant actual bit of information, uh, which is that Quan has a nephew, one Rashik, who is someone we know quite a bit about. Mm -hmm. uh, and so perhaps there is a, a connection being drawn here. This is where the gears started to turn in my head. <laughs> It would be wild of all the like details that got mixed up. I'm just thinking about Elendi being tall and it's like, I have a cousin once removed, one Rashek. It's like, why change that? Why is that the detail you need to change? Uh, 
So we we start the chapter uh, with a very quick Straff POV, uh, which I think partially it's, you know, it's just Straff is a very interesting character to see. And so we need to see what he's been up to. Uh, but also in a more practical sense, he is conveniently positioned just outside of Luthadel to look at this. Uh, I like that the, the resolution to uh, the fact that he had been uh, unwillingly addicted to a, a particular mystery drug uh, was he has now identified the drug and is just taking it and he feels great. Yeah. Top, top of the world. Top of the world. Everything's looking up Straff. Yeah, he's like, he's going to have to to get himself uh, off this drug slowly. But for now, he's got it and it's great. Uh, but what he is uh, able to see from uh, just outside of Luthadel is that the... Uh, the gates are starting to fall and that the the plan is going going well as far as he's concerned is they're going to wait for the Coloss to do what they're doing and then they're going to move in and attack hmm. so obviously at this point we you know this is like what is intended the next draft pov we see that it goes a little bit beyond that what if he did do you know it's a it's an interesting question that maybe we'll bring up when when we get to that short jaunt away but what if he did kind of follow Gennaro's concept and move in would everything have happened i don't know interesting question i do hate to point it out but credit where credit is due this is zane's plan not Gennaro's. um but, <laughs> well yeah that well what i'm saying is like you know when Gennaro when, when Gennaro says hey we should do this yeah i yeah. actually have a very similar note in my notes yeah <laughs> in fact did not happen but would be interesting if would, yeah. would have been interesting <laughs> more, more columns on the chart oh god uh, then going back inside the city uh to uh Swolzid and his battle <laughs> Uh, this is the, the one part that is, uh, is going well, at least for a bit, is that, uh, something that we've, we've discussed is the trade-off between, uh, Farakemi and Alamancy is that Farakemi does let you reach higher highs. This is a strength that, uh, even flaring pewter, it seems like you wouldn't be able to, uh, maintain, and if Sazed is willing to burn through his pewter mind quite quickly, which he is doing, uh, he can go one-on-one with a Coloss and win. Crush its fucking throat. Yeah. Yeah. He does, though, note that he definitely is going through his pewter very fast uh, and will not be able to sustain this. So he does need to uh, to back off. And uh, we'll, we'll have to... Um, wait for later and hope that the the troops can actually hold he does note that like maybe this is the emergency right now but it is funny to me that he has a thought of like well i still have my rings but those have to wait for an emergency it's like say that you are at the final <laughs> boss you can use your potions use them this, now this is an emergency well, what if i sir? need it later <laughs> i can't use my elixirs what if the third game lets me carry over my inventory i need to start the third <laughs> game with all of the stuff that i gathered in the second game uh, as is on brand, I do like uh, the Mass Effect solution for this, uh, which is that if you end 
in Mass Effect 1 uh, with a certain amount of stuff. In ME2, you just start with a whole pile of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you were you were wealthy. But yeah, the um the the force or the, the, the battle here is uh is quite a thing. Uh says it actually uh tries to um kind of break his way back to the gate uh to to barricade it, and they do hit Sazed uh, and the force here manage to uh, clear a path to the doors. Uh, he slams them shut. Uh, and then this is just a great moment of Sazed using uh, ferrochemical iron uh, to just become incredibly uh, heavy and just hold the gates. It is a it's a it's a really cool moment, not just of doing cool things, but you get to see Sazed leading by acting rather than by speaking, mm-hmm. because as soon as he starts doing that, everyone else is like, Oh, oh shit. Yeah, we got we got this. <laughs> um and people start helping him hold the door and other people are trying to find another barrier so they can block it again and just the 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 imagery here was described very well of uh Sazed inspiring the troops to uh get a second wind. There is a um, there's a moment in a future book, uh, which I will not mention which or when, that this scene is referenced, and it is a beautiful moment. Well, there are lots of witnesses. So, yeah, we have our second witness, our third witness, yeah. our fourth witness. I was just about to start counting. <laughs> yeah, I I was aware that saying that this scene is called back to does not. Uh, imply a lot about who may be calling back to it or whether it's you know a, a, a historical moment or whatever so but it will happen and I, I liked that moment quite a bit it's actually a weird wheel of time just randomly a character is like hey i heard about this one say <laughs> that guy who held the gate this one cool time but yeah for the moment uh this this fight there's a moment of reprieve as they manage to bar the gate the the force here uh says it said it's it's only about 50 from the original 400 uh but they they have held for a few minutes even though the the gate is going to just be destroyed very shortly but yeah this is there's a moment of reprieve here and the the messenger manages to get through is shocked that this gate has held uh, but also has to deliver the news that uh, the tin gate has fallen uh, and Sazed is uh, is very concerned at what is happening there. Did they put Tindwill on tin gate just because of the name? I was about to say, I feel like Docs was like had plans for everybody, and then was like, "Who do we put on Tin Gate?" It was like looking around. Tin, dwi- yeah, that'll work. Yeah, that's- Tin <laughs> will. Tin will will defend Tin Gate. <laughs> Docs was like, "Ah, oh, geez, this is a big old war. I'm trying to coordinate. How I I need mnemonics to remember <laughs> where everyone is." We'll go to another part of the battle. Uh, as clubs and his force are trying to defend the zinc gate uh, and that battle is now spilling into the city uh, as breeze and clubs are there 
uh, and are are having to retreat because Zinc Gate has completely fallen. And then, yeah, this is uh this is the first one of this chapter of the 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 army is trying to retreat. Uh, we see clubs trying to to maintain that uh, that retreat and breeze uh, going as well. And then one of the Kolos gets two clubs and he falls. Mm. Chops an arm off, but he's still up. He's still doing good. He's grunting. He's got his sword arm still at the end. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Aww. Oh no. <laughs> Unceremonious is a good word for this. Yeah. yeah. We never get to see clubs fight even. We get to see him, him lead for a little bit, but yeah, this is um, this is uh, brutal and abrupt. There's also a few different places where Bree starts calling up. Uh, uh, Bree starts thinking about how lazy things seem, looking up at the weather and at the city before it's been broken into, and uses the word lazy several times, which I feel like is a really interesting kind of projection of like, what am I bringing to this? How am I contributing at all? And also, I just always appreciate kind of violent scenes juxtaposed with tranquility. I think that's mm -hmm. always a very uh, kind of haunting juxtaposition to have. So I, I, I like Breeze's sections in the, in the battle because of little moments like that. And describing the colors as dull too until it's broken up by, you know, clubs is blood. One does love a hint of color, splash of red. <laughs> Some good color theory. But at the end of this section, uh, Breeze gives up. He finds a, a, a building to crawl into and hides because right now this is all he can do. And, you know, Brandon talking about, let's see the, um, the, the politician and the scholar try to defend the city. Uh, it doesn't work well. And, and this is what Breeze ends up with is you know, hiding in a hole as as there's a rampage around him. And it's it's a really interesting way for this to end for this part. Anyways, how does the bureaucrat handle war, Justin? Yeah, um, I really like the beginning of this section as, as Dox's first thought is this is all Kelsier's fault. I think the whole crew would agree with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I agree with that. And he's still like, making notes on his map like well might as well write this down for someone else to deal with mm -hmm. yeah yeah docs is is trying to hold the plans together uh, but the um the Kolos have made it all the way to keep venture uh it is interesting that that some of the notes that he's considering is you know maybe we should have just killed all the noblemen uh, and then, you know, maybe has a, a second thought about that. Uh, but that's about all we get because he he gets a chance to to draw a sword and, and give a charge. But he is also uh, not the right person for this fight and is also killed. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Mm. It, it is. It is rough. R.I.P. Dan Vogelbach. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is another very good cinematic moment of I am. It's it's more of a mental breakdown in the other one, but I'm thinking: is this two weeks in a row 
I may, maybe not in a row, but uh, I'm bringing up Pirates Three again. Um, <laughs> the uh, scene where Beckett, I believe, uh, realizes that the uh, Flying Dutchman has turned on him, and his ship is exploding all around him as he's just very oh, calmly yes. walking down the stairs. Um, mm-hmm. It's such a sick scene, and I love the idea of Dachshund is at the table taking notes while windows are being smashed and monsters are crawling into the room. And he's like very calmly, like takes a deep breath, draws his sword, and then starts to fight and doesn't get very far. But um, that imagery of like the camera revolving around, I would love to see that as sad as the scene is. Yeah. Um, I do love his final line of we'd have been no better than beasts. It is really depressing that we then continue to get more thoughts from him. And his last thoughts are like, man fuck kelsier this really sucks <laughs> like i it's it's kind of a shining light of of we'd have been no better than beasts of him like realizing um that it was all for the best and then he reverts back to no no i still like i'm still angry at kelsier um as fun as it is to start the section the fact that his final moments are still like legitimately angry at kelsier yeah. his best friend is pretty sad that's interesting. I read that as much more resigned when I, I sort of heard that in my head of just sort of like, uh, I almost started to believe that they were right, that you were rushing over us of this sort of like melancholy, like, this sucks. Maybe I'll see you. Maybe you should have done more. I I don't know. I didn't read it as, as quite so mad. It does proceed with docks and gritted his teeth sending a final curse kelsier's way then charged you know i did just turn my eyes back to the page and see that line and went hmm Hmm. (laughs) well i i do agree i i I agree with the first part of because like the detail of he closed his eyes i also think it kind of has that vibe but yeah the final curse kelsier's way kind of establishes that like no he's he is pretty bitter about this still before we head on to the next section two things from a, a bit of a meta perspective uh, one is that uh, I realized when rereading Well of Ascension here uh, that uh, perhaps I had uh, chosen poorly in uh, our earlier discussion along with Brandon's discussion of do you um, even out some of the, the gender imbalance in the crew uh, of my argument that I thought that docks and clubs uh, could, could be... <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) is uh, the the two who die right here is perhaps not the best pick. (laughs) I I had picked up on uh, Docs and then uh, one other big character who will die later and being like, oh yeah, there they go. Mm -hmm. Um, I had forgotten that you also thought maybe yeah. (laughs) Would that have meant that every crew member who dies here would have been a woman? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, per- perhaps not great. Fesimism. Yeah. We did it. <laughs> they were on screen for quite some... Well, Dachshund was barely on screen this book, but, you know... <laughs> I, was cl- I mean, Club's got a bit more FaceTime, but, you know... Egality. And the, the other thing is, um, from the, the annotations, is apparently uh, in the original draft, uh, Dox's death was even more abrupt uh in that it was uh it was more of he was trying to continue you know with his his organization and his and his leadership and one of the coloss just gets to him and kills him 
Uh, and Brandon says that as he was revising it, uh, mostly on feedback from some of his uh, his writing group, thought that Docs needed a bit more of a, a a final stand, as it were. And so we we did get that extended. Swinging his sword once. Yeah. <laughs> I do think that was probably the right call because we did just get a very abrupt death with clubs. And I feel like it's already a big shock to have two major characters die like within two pages of each other. Um, but I feel like it would it would just feel very similar if it was a similar if it was also and then Doc suddenly was killed by Coloss. Um, having a moment where we get someone dying from the first person as he's thinking about like, yep, this is about to happen. I think adds a, this feels so casual to talk about for characters I really like who are dying, um, adds a little variety to the progression of what's happening here. And I think that does help it flow better. Uh, after this scene, we head to a pair of POVs from our uh, our other two armies. Uh, we again return to Straff, and this is what we had uh, touched on a bit earlier, is Straff sees the uh, the city falling, uh, and the general, his his general again uh, says, you know, we're gonna we're gonna wait for a little bit longer and then we're going to to move in when the time is right. Uh, and Straff says, you know what? Fuck him. <laughs> yeah. Is is he's decided, and I wonder if this is like the fact that he's currently high. Yeah, if he's, this is a coked out <laughs> decision. Right. Is he goes, you know what? You know, I don't need the city of Luthadel. I'm going to make my own city. Like, fuck it. The city can burn. Stop my own capital and then it'll all be, uh, everything's looking up strap. Everything's going well. And I was like, <laughs> are we, can we? Like, we do have a plan here. We've been waiting months for this, dude. It'll be called Straff City. Straff City. It'll be the final Straff Empire. Everything will look what's absolutely wonderful. Um, yeah. Uh, Sam, you said something earlier, and I think I agree with you. I think we have the same thought here of General Notes. The soldiers are pretty wrecked. It's pretty much just the Colossus yet, and they're going to start calming down now that they have less people to kill. To be fair, Straff has no way of knowing that they will be able to start controlling the Colossus, but... If they were to move in here, I think they would have successfully taken the city. Like, if, if he had not started to get super petty, I think Straff could have won here. Yeah. But in instead we get, he'd fled this city, and then they didn't give it back to him. How how mean of them. Yeah, Straff is, uh, he, he has his motivation here, and he's going to go with it. I just, I really expected, since it's his POV, that there would be some kind of justification of, like, he'd evacuated this city for this for the safety of his own people or something like that. But no, it's from his perspective, and he's just like, he ran away that one time. And then they didn't give it back to him. It's like, you, you, you can't even come up with a better word than flee to describe what happened. What do you expect? <laughs> he's just so entitled to, it's just, it's maddening. We also then have a, a set POV, which is, uh, uh, we did see Alrian making her, her pleas to get them to return. So there was a potential that he was going to come back, but he is, uh, it's, it's interesting to see that he is, is still, uh, part of this story here after it seemed like he was just gone. 
uh, and Aurienne is is trying to uh, to convince Set. Uh, I believe Sam, you had a uh, a summary of of this argument here in your notes. Mm. Oh, this is later. This is when uh, this is like the very uh, end uh, of mm. where like Set eventually does attack. Um, where did I say it? I don't even remember. Uh, but yeah, I call him Canboy. Yeah. <laughs> Can. <laughs> I believe yeah. yes it was uh your your plea was just fucking be a good person for once in your miserable life please can boy <laughs> can boy italicized yes so we will see if he can be a good person for once in his miserable life I want a shirt that just says can boy on it can boy the one side says can boy the other side it says inky boy um <laughs> God. I I do I I did have a little I guessed one thing correctly halfway through the part I did guess that Elrian was going to run off and force Set's hand, um, which doesn't happen yet, um, but we see a little bit of that later on. Um, and the line to end the chapter of "The good men are all dead; they died inside that city." Yeah, I love mm. that line. I love that it's it's so there's good. A, there's a moment of like game recognizes game, but it's almost game recognizes different game. Right. Of, um, <laughs> You can tell Set does respect. He does believe that they're good people. Um, that's just not the game he's playing. Right. Yeah, he he thinks that this isn't a world where the good people can succeed. And what's currently happening in Luthadeli is proof of that. You know, I really like Set as a character because there's just an earnestness to him in everything he does. Yeah. He yeah. just he believes in what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Good or bad. He- and he never lies. <laughs> I told two lies. So then uh, we return to Sazed, who, uh, even with his his fair gemi, uh, is starting to to kind of flag here. Uh, is he you know, he he thinks that he's been alive longer than he has any right to be in this battle. But it's uh, it's coming to the end for him with his his power and the the current state of the battle. He does get uh, we, we we're inching ever closer to the scene on the cover. Uh, <laughs> earlier we had we had Ellen at least holding a Coloss sword. Uh, now we have Sazed using one, uh, which he can at least for now because of his his pewter. Uh, and and does actually you know hit a coloss with it and it's effective uh but after that his his strength is just gone mm. oh he's just flying all those death flags nothing can save him now he's looking up at his death it's really sad that this yeah. this is gonna happen to him it's all over what happens to him is that vin arrives <laughs> she just in timed for one of the people that we were following and that's that's really interesting is that in a way she was too late because we've we've lost clubs and we've lost docks but uh it is not completely too late because uh she has returned the the fact that she was able to make the last bit of this travel with iron and steel means that she's also you know not a a wreck when she arrives uh and is able to to start pushing and and trying to turn this fight this is so cinematic when Vin shows up. I love it. 
Somehow just imagining everything going into slow mo. I'm. I, don't you compare it to Palpatine right now? <laughs> <laughs> you tried to just keep going through that. I did. I did, but I couldn't. <laughs> I also wouldn't say it's the same because we did see her coming back the entire time. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Somehow, with a lot of running and also a cool new method of travel. With horsey shoes. That's actually how Palpatine came back. I don't know if you guys know this, but he got like a, a treadmill, <laughs> and that's shoes. just how he sort of, like slowly worked his way back, and then he just like used the force to travel in horseshoes. It was wild. The true power of the dark side. And you found that out <laughs> if you played Fortnite. Anyways, the uh <laughs> I'm sorry? <laughs> oh, did you not know? You know how the uh, we we find out in the opening crawl of Rise of Skywalker that uh, Palpatine came back and he transmitted a message to the entire galaxy. Um, you can see the message he sent if you play Fortnite, um, because that's the only place they actually released it. Is if you did the special I... Star Wars events, you got to listen to Palpatine give his special message, saying, "I'm back, bitches." We talked about how Kelsier is in Fortnite, right? <laughs> oh God, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. See your Fortnite reel. <laughs> mm. But yes, anyway, this to, seems to re- good. Yes, to return to the point that <laughs> Beth was making, this is pretty awesome. Of and I, I like how um, the the gates that Sazed and the the army had desperately been trying to to keep closed and keep intact, and then Vin arrives and just tears them off the wall to use as weapons. I do. It's very cool, and it is effective in the moment. I do wonder if long-term it may have been best to just try to find something else to hit the Colossus with. <laughs> um, but it is a very, it's a very good moment. But yeah, we're we're not actually going to see uh, a lot of the detail with, with Vin and, and her fight, uh, because we do have other people to see this, this fight from. And uh, Perhaps a, a a more interesting look from from their side. Yeah, um, Brandon actually says in the annotations that uh, we've seen the the detailed fighting with Sazed uh, and with the the army, and that we don't necessarily need another like highly detailed Alimantic fight right now. So Vin has arrived. She is is going to to do what she can to save the day, uh, and we'll see that from Sazed's POV or from someone else's POV, but we will will return actually to Vin later. And then Sazed wants to evacuate through the northern gate just for evacuation purposes, not for any other reason that he would want to check on the northern gate. Nope. <laughs> that is the only reason that he's headed that way. The only one. I mean, like, it's... The Colossus are not attacking any of the southern gates. Like, this is clearly not the most tactical option if he actually wants to get people out of the city. Also, Straff's army is in the north, I believe. Um, Like, it's a small detail that doesn't really have a lot of consequences, but I do think this is blatantly not a good choice for evacuation. And the fact that Sazed is still, like, his instinct is just northern gate. We gotta go northern gate. Um, I think it's a really interesting character beat. I also like how messed like not great at leadership he is he he shakes he shakes the man out of his chanting and instead of saying like let's go we got to get out of here he says you were right she returned get, yeah there's a thesis you got to get here says it yeah we're still getting i thinks even as he's getting giving orders exactly he throws in an i think there hedging mm-hmm. 
I don't know. And then we get to the the last uh, POV of this chapter. Uh, and this one, like, I don't want to call it a favorite because it's a tragic scene, but it's really good. It's really good. This is this is how Breeze ends this this battle is, you know, nearly catatonic in fear and and everything that's happening. You can barely move, can barely speak when people do find him. Cause this is this is what happens when Breeze ends up in a fight like this. You know, not not everybody here is Vin. We also get a brief Caleb POV from uh from Breeze. Uh Caleb thinks, sounds like ham, that's funny, he should be dead too. <laughs> 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 we are batting zero. <laughs> I mean, there's a section left. You never know. I mean, he he is severely wounded. Yeah, that we know. So yeah. you know. Yeah, this this whole section kills me, especially the detail of like, is he's in complete shock. He's flagellating himself as a coward, and we hear some other guards say. And we saw him, like, we felt him soothing us even after he ducked in here. He kept us fighting. Yeah, it's it's bordering on cheesy of, like, I'm not helping, I'm not helping. And then the soldier comes in and it's like, yeah, he was definitely helping. But it is a very sweet moment that I think um, adds adds a nice silver lining to this scene of Breeze basically having a mental breakdown. I, I do really like that that, that detail was in there. Um, that even despite his own self-doubt, he is helping and we get confirmation that he was legitimately helping even when he thought he was being completely useless Mm -hmm. yeah at this point this is this is really the the majority of the crew here we've got um breeze uh, as well as ham and says and you know they're they're trying to get to uh they're trying to get to to keep hasting or to one of the other gates uh but breeze can't really do much at all and that's where we end the chapter going to chapter 54 uh, our epigraph we see uh, that this is uh, now part of the plan uh, is that Rashik is going to be one of the the guides for Elendi's trip to the mountains uh, and that that Quan has has made sure of this fact which if you're wondering is all lining up with uh, the passage Sezed has read Mm-hmm. so far yes this is what i was um when i did mention last episode that uh we had seen we we had read ahead through say this transcription this was the particular part i was remembering was like i know that he's brought up rasha <laughs> so there's there's actually a very specific says it is reading through it and tindrel says skip to the end and says it's like okay 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 and then this is the path <laughs> yes. to yeah um which is a fun little hint that we will be getting this towards the end of the book so in this chapter, we do see um, a bit of, of Vin's fight against the Coloss. Uh, it, it begins with her uh, breaking a staff in their face. Uh, and she thinks, not again, because she's apparently <laughs> gone through several staves, just smashing them against Coloss. We get another Coloss's head cave in as she punches mm-hmm. it in the face. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and there is a, a an interesting note where 
uh, when she dodges one of the the sword swings, um, she says they always look surprised, like this isn't su- how the fight is supposed to happen, and they're confused by this fact. <laughs> it's also interesting that we've had characters flat out say they only have two emotions, and the implication being no one's ever seen this third one of surprise. Yeah. <laughs> She also says uh, she was getting tired and then corrects that to, no, she started tired. This was not, <laughs> this was not good from the beginning, uh, but she's on her, her last bit of, of pewter here and that's about it. We, we get a really brief Beth POV. So tired, she thought. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an everyone but Sam POV. <laughs> Yeah, for reference, it's nine in the morning. It's like a reasonable time to be awake and functional, but all of us but Sam are like, Ugh. Well, Sam yeah. is also uh, in the, the far lands of Eastern Standard Time. That's true. You do have an unfair home field advantage. <laughs> That's right. I get an extra hour. <laughs> but Vin is, uh, e- even at the, the end of her abilities here, is is managing to... Uh, to put up one hell of a fight, uh, she is literally making a pile of of bodies as she fights, and it is in 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 her mind she's running out. This is you know a, a final stand, and it's a good one. It's a better one than anybody else could have put up, but it's it's running short. And then she picks up a coloss sword, and then impales the coloss. And then she throws it away. But then she pulls on a different sword and she yanks it into her hand. And then she attacks three times with it. And then she drops the sword again. <laughs> God damn it, Brandon. She's just teasing by this point. I, 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 like, I had in my notes, like, she grabs the Coloss sword, poses with it, kills the Coloss, and then she never holds the sword again. <laughs> we will be back to Vin. Uh shortly i think at this point we're we're down to pretty much just vin and sazed as our povs uh but we're over to to sazed uh who is is trying to uh uh to persuade lord penrod to do something good in his life uh and that's not working crown boy crown boy (laughs) he calls up to penrod who ignores him because he's cool What a cool guy that Penrod is. I I don't even look at explosions. Yeah, and we'll see that shortly. Is he is uh, he's doing the the thing that Tyndall was trying to get Ellen to do of uh, looks like a king even in the middle of all this. And it's and it's a bad decision. That silly Tyndall. I can't wait to tell her how wrong she was. Oh no. (laughs) But yeah, eventually. Um, Penrod is uh, Penrod does arrive. They they have a brief conversation, and uh, Sazed is is trying to say that we should we should lead some people out, get them to escape. Uh, and Penrod is is now trying to do the the noble king thing, and uh, that is that is the end of that for now. I do appreciate when we have the moment of um, a bunch of survivors outside the castle and yelling up to try and get the king to listen. 
I just really assumed it was going to be, no, you can't come in here because it's safe in here and there's no room. And there's a little bit of that, but we also have Penrod just flat out going like, no, we're all going to die. Yeah. This is just how it's going to go. Yeah. And it's a very interesting uh, take on that kind of scene of will the rich, powerful person help the 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 little people? Um, and yeah, I just kind of assumed it would be, you know, if Strap was in this position, it would be, no, the castle's only mine and only I get to survive. And Penrod's just like, no, it's all useless. None, none of this is going to help anyways. Yeah. My only consolation is that I doubt Ellen could have done so either. Yeah, fuck you too, buddy. Come I actually, on. I really like that moment. Like, yes, it is. It's it's needlessly petty, but it just it does tell you a lot about his mindset of like, well, I did the best I could, and that's the best anyone could have done, and that's how that, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna feel good about that just a little bit. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I also just find that to be a very interesting character beat. New Penrod casting, Stingy from Lazy Town. <laughs> <laughs> he just pops up over the wall because he's a puppet. He's just like, <laughs> that's yeah. You could hide a puppeteer behind the Merlin. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? Um, Brandon does two podcasts now, but one that he's been doing for a while. Uh, is called Writing Excuses, which is a, a writing advice podcast, which I quite like. Um, their tagline is 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and we're not that smart. <laughs> um, but one of the co-hosts uh, is uh, Mary Robinette Kowal, who is a sci-fi and fantasy author, uh, frequently of, of short fiction, um, but is also a puppeteer. Uh and has performed on Lazy Town. Oh my god. It's a connection. It could happen. See, yeah. <laughs> it it actually could. It's pretty funny. They um the the show was started by Brandon uh Dan Wells, who we've mentioned, uh, and Howard Taylor, uh, who uh drew the webcomic Schlock Mercenary. Um and they they would occasionally have guest episodes and they had a um, uh, Mary Robinette guested and talked about uh, puppetry and how the principles of puppetry apply to writing. Um, and at a certain point, the three of them decided that they should get a, a fourth uh, full-time host. And so they ran a, a series of guest episodes that they said were secretly auditions. Uh, and they said all of them were kind of subconsciously comparing all of these auditions to the puppetry episode. And then eventually one of them said, why don't we just ask Mary Robinette? (laughs) Wait a minute. Uh, Funny enough, the tagline for this podcast is two hours long because we hope you're not in a hurry and Caleb isn't smart enough to know when to shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So where were we? We were returning to Vin. Uh, who is is fighting as best she can uh, is trying to figure out what the the end is here uh, because she knows that she cannot you know single-handedly fight off every coloss in this city the way things are going uh, and so is thinking does she still need to find the well will that even help at this point like at this point she's realized that Sazed probably lied about a couple of things 
And so will finding the well even help? She takes a, a moment uh, that to like get, get sight of things and also just take a breath, uh, still pushing her way all the way up to uh, Kritik Shaw, actually, to the, the top. Uh, and Brandon points this out of uh, this is not the first time that she has been near the top of, of Kritik Shaw. And it is it is typically uh, in uh, very like very significant times for the city, and uh, we're, we're here once again. It is funny. I do picture Kritik Shaw being pretty dang tall. Um, so it is funny that she's like she uses some of her medals to jump up into the air, and then she just so happens to land at the top of a spire. It's like you then you had to go out of your way to get up there. Don't don't lie and say that it just happened to be on the way of where you were trying to get to. Um anyways, yeah, here she is in Critic Shaw and I was like some some shit's about to go down. She's here. It's going to happen and then she goes and off. Then she of goes. Critic Shaw. <laughs> this is the 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 second at least uh time when she's been at Critic Shaw for 10 seconds and then left. I think the top of of Critic Shaw is perhaps more of just a dramatic view of a location than oh, yeah. wandering around the the Lord Ruler's secret hidden chamber and going there has to be something here and then leaving and then going <laughs> nah there's nothing here <laughs> but as she rejoins the fight she does so without pewter because that has been completely exhausted at this point uh, which not only you know takes her down a level physically, uh, but at this point is is probably downright dangerous. The amount that she has been um, using it thus far is even just being without pewter is is dangerous. She's also without steel, and it's a it's a bit of a precarious place here. She is uh, doing her best to try to to continue the fight against the Colas that are now just everywhere in the streets uh, does manage to, to do perhaps better than many would even without uh, her allomancy. Uh but she's running out the the people around her are dying and it is uh, it's a it's a very tough place and we get uh, we get a moment that might be turning things here uh, which is that Tensoon had once mentioned that uh, the Chandra saw the Kolos as uh, as cousins, as as somehow related. Uh, and so, the metals that she does have left include uh, both duralumin and brass. And with a just a desperate attempt to do something, of of soothing one of the Kolos, manages to take control of it. This is a weird payoff to my casting of Kolos as, as a general theme, as like orcs and ologs from Shadow of War, because that's a main mechanic in Shadow of War, is breaking them and turning them to your side. I wonder if anyone on that team had read this book now. Well, Shadow, it's a game. Yeah, no, I'm saying if anyone on the, the team making oh, the game had read this book. Like a crossover between... Lord of the Rings and could be or just an idea just you know yeah. maybe that's something we could do but yeah this is uh this is a turning point here because uh 
the the Lord Ruler had always been able to keep the Kolos pretty directly under his control, and now Vin has figured out how. It is a funny line. I understand what she means by keep them under control, but it is funny that it's suddenly she understood how he'd controlled them all those years. He did it by controlling them. The Yeah. The the conclusion <laughs> is literally. like he, he just he just did that magically. Um <laughs> Yeah, this is this is an interesting payoff. It makes me want to know more about Chandra and uh Coloss and their origins and how they work. I feel like Knowing that they're cousins, they they seem so different. So part of me wishes that like the process of controlling them was slightly different. Um, like you had to use a different metal to do it or something like that. Um, although for all we know, we don't even know if it has to be a specific metal. Maybe if you just burned her alumin and something else, um, that's how you take control of them. I don't I don't know. Um, but uh, the fact that it's the it's not a twist on the process. It's the exact same process. I think I was expecting um something else to to be different um but it is a very cool payoff of we we've heard that they are very similar that they are related in some way and so Vinge saying well it worked for this i'll see if it works for that um and uh getting the payoff there is uh yeah it's it's good there's also uh i was noticing going through this again uh there's one of those moments where you could just barely see this in time because when we were with breeze earlier uh he does mention that he tried soothing a coloss and it didn't do anything very similar to the way that people know that you cannot soothe or riot a chandra mm-hmm. but we go from there to uh to Sazed, uh and Things that there is now a, a moment to breathe here because uh, as as Sazed is preparing for uh, perhaps the end here, uh, the the Kolos gather because Vin is now in charge of at least this group here, and this is this is not how it was uh, perhaps pictured to happen, but at this point now Vin has managed to to turn the fight and and perhaps lead this into saving the city and she is pissed off she's so done with this <laughs> shit i love this scene penrod are you mad oh i'm mad all right yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'll say I love it. it follows up with i'm tired we're all tired child no no i'm real tired mm-hmm <laughs> Yeah, and she, with her new battalion of Kolos, uh, is now uh, very clearly in charge here. And and she tells Penrod what's going to happen, which is that he's going to to gather the remaining soldiers. Uh, They're going to, uh, they're going to go protect what people they can. Uh, Any Kolos that are in the city, they send for Vin and she's going to take care of them. Uh, And... Nobody else really has any objections to this plan. Yeah, Penrod's <laughs> like, uh, all right, works for me. <laughs> we also get a detail of when we last saw him, he had his arm in a sling and then and was able to like help Breeze carry around. And now we have Ham has been very badly wounded and he has to nod Dolly and uh, uh, in order to participate in the conversation. 
And I need to be clear, in real life, if you get an arm wound, definitely be careful about that. Check it out. If it's bleeding a lot, go to the hospital. There are big arteries and veins in your arm. You can absolutely bleed out much more easily than you would expect from an arm wound. But in a book, I don't expect... <laughs> ham to get an arm wound and then a chapter later be like he's almost dead he's about to die it's it, we're so lucky that we had time to rest um i don't know it's just it that's that was just a weird like oh oh he's he's doing bad i didn't expect him to be doing bad yeah vin is uh vin now has a moment to actually check in with says and see how things had gone in the city uh and this is where where she learns that that clubs and docks didn't make it uh, and that breeze is still in the state that he's in and uh yeah you know the the battle may have turned but it is it's still not a a good place yet uh Cezid here excuses himself as he has a, a task to do we will we'll see him very shortly uh vin goes back to uh, to pewter to keep going uh says it says this can't be healthy which is probably true <laughs> and uh and vin has a task to do uh she picks up a coloss sword perhaps mm-hmm. now this is the moment for a dramatic she pose picks up a sword and has a Cover task art. to do <laughs> it finally happened <laughs> I actually I actually misremembered this earlier like a couple of episodes ago. I thought that this scene was the very beginning of part 6 and I thought how how crazy it was that our two questions earlier of, you know, what's going to happen with the well and when does Vin get a giant sword? We were going to have to wait until the very final part to see if we get an answer on both of those. But we <laughs> are going to see what happens with the giant sword in just a moment, because we have one more tragic scene to go through first. Mm-hmm. We got pretty damn close to part six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see the little, uh, the little banner on the edges of the pages of my book. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, this is, uh, this is the task that, that says it has, uh, which is that he is, uh, he, he has gone to the tin gate to, to search around uh, and it is it is just a, a massacre there and it takes him says quite a bit of the night uh, but he finds Tindwell's body because she like pretty much everyone else here was killed by the Coloss and this is kind of it for him you know we've we've seen him kind of be the the one who a lot of the other characters lean on when when they're dealing with the things that they have been in this book uh but this is too much for Sazed and he he tries to turn to uh one of his religions as comfort and really doesn't find anything i do think it's i have to say it's very ingenious of brandon um in a universe with no fridges he still had the ingenuity to say, well, the dead girlfriend can still be frozen. I can at least have that happen. <sighs> also, an, yeah. a, a, a moment that I forgot to note that's kind of sweet is when uh, Clubs 
uh, or uh, after the battle, Sazed has the Dadrada thing that he gave Clubs. So Dadrada wore it, or Dadrada, Clubs wore it into battle. That was yeah. really sweet. Yeah, yeah I think but, when they're, they're gathered outside Penrod's place and Sazed's thinking back to that and that moment was, I, I think in the moment Sazed finds it also uh, kind of disheartening, but I agree that like the fact that Clubs did wear it into battle was a very sweet moment yeah it just ends up being another chip in in Sazen's faith-based armor i guess mm. <laughs> um, because he he sees the symbol and sees it on clubs's corpse and thinks well that was meaningless uh which sort of all comes to a head and falls apart here where he finds Tyndall's body yeah it reminds me of lyrics from a rem song really yeah you're just gonna leave it there you have to tell me well you can't draw name drop rem in front of me and just be like "Eh, that's that's fine i'll give you a hint it's in the title of the song oh is it perhaps losing my religion (laughs) correct okay fair enough that's him in the spotlight that was gonna be specifically like holding your lover's corpse in your arms i was like i don't think there's really a song about that in their catalog no Ironically, everybody hurts also applies here. That's true. I am I am deeply conflicted about Tyndall's death because like the arc that Sazed goes on from here is simply gorgeous, but it is fueled by the use of the fridging trope, which I hate. Mm-hmm. Like when you, when you got so, so few named relevant female characters, maybe keep them around. We still have Alrianne. That's true. Hey, and Mardra went to ground, so she's fine. Marda? Mar- Mardra. I don't I know her name. Mardra. Yeah. Phasmism. There's Granny. She's still Granny. Around, Granny Hilda. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know through this book we've talked about how much we like Tyndall as a character and this does kind of suck yeah Amaranta no she's gone um (laughs) I yeah I I feel like at this point from what I know this is not just me being salty that I was wrong about who lives and who dies I think the story would be fundamentally more interesting if Sazed died and Tyndall lived that being said, we've gotten a lot of look at Sazed's mentality, and we know that it is falling apart here. And I am very excited to see where his character goes from here. Um, but I just think Sazed dying would be a very good shakeup for the rest of the characters, whereas Tintwell dying is really only a shakeup for Sazed, from what we can tell. Um, I don't know if there are many other characters who are going to be really torn up about this because so much of her character was just kind of being a jerk to people. Um, and that adds to the tragedy of it, but it also adds to the, there's another female character dead of it all. Um, so yeah, I think I'm in a similar position for, for slightly different reasons, but um, yeah, I also, I'm a, I, I am eager to see what happens next. And also it's quite a bummer that Tindwell is gone. We do have uh, one more chapter to close out the section. Uh, it is the shortest of this uh, of this whole part. It's the shortest chapter in quite a while, actually. I want to look back now. 
since the very beginning of part four. Uh, but we, we see in our, our last epigraph of the section uh, directly that uh, Quan's plan is for Rashik to try to disrupt Olendi's uh, journey. And we get, uh, we get one final Straff POV. Yay. Everything's looking up, Straff. Nice, good, good morning, everyone. I love this scene. He he wakes up, takes some drugs, feels great, is is in a, a great mood. You know, we're gonna we're gonna go take the city if we want, make our own city if we want. They they see the Coloss forming up. They're they're getting ready to 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 do a fight. And then we're just gonna skip to the chase. Vin just fucking cuts him in half. It's so good. It's so yeah. good. The wait for the sword was worth it for this moment. I, every time you brought that up, I was like, where is the sword? Why are we so far into the book without having seen the cover? I was like, because the moment where we see it is just so good that retroactively it makes it all worth it. I am going to say, though, rip to this poor horse. That, that is true. Horse had it coming. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Aside from the horse dying, this this was very cool. Um, another very cinematic moment of you can just see the army in the distance, and then like the the score has a trumpet start to play as you see Vin just emerge from this this horde of coloss, um, and watching this slow realization on Strauss' face of like no. No, 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 no. Um, and then, yeah, yeah. This is another moment that's just, I, I very much want to see adapted because it is glorious. Not a piccolo or a flute? No, I'm, I'm, giving, it, I'm giving that one to the trumpet or maybe the French horn. <laughs> Bassoon. This is uh, very rapidly here in, in short order after this is uh, Straff's army is, is going to be uh, under significant distress because Vin has now uh, utterly destroyed their their leader uh, and is now fighting them on the side of a horde of Coloss. And is violating the Geneva Convention, I think. Don't is it against the Geneva that. Convention to target generals? I don't, I don't, I don't know remember. if that's correct. But it is, I did have in my notes of like, after you chop Straff Venture in half as the opening move of the battle, that might be the time to just go, hey, do you want to give up yet? I feel like Gennaral would have been like, <laughs> yeah, nah, not today. Um, <laughs> but she just keeps going. Yeah. Uh, and we see this this battle commence uh, back to the POV of Set. Uh, and Sam, I, this is when you actually wanted the can boy to do one good thing for once in his miserable life <laughs> that's can right boy. great job can boy <laughs> you did it he he did it because he really doesn't help very much though <laughs> no he rides up and the battle is over before he arrives basically and and he also mostly only does it because all says you know what fuck this i'm going come rescue me <laughs> so 
yeah I, I i do like to see what happens with set in in these instances but yeah orian tries to kind of force his hand and says i'm joining the battle you better come with me uh and then they they do the the set army rides to the defense of luthadel and uh vin does kind of accomplish most of that for them <laughs> i love set and Orian's relationship it's so fun to read of just they know each other so well and they know exactly how to push each other's buttons mm-hmm. basically because like a second before she runs off he sees this look in her eyes and just goes oh no <laughs> uh and it it is the exact right move for her to pull for the end of the section though uh we return to Sazed for one last time in the section because uh the the impact that this has had on him is uh aside from those who are dead is perhaps the greatest of the the crew here and uh yeah what what does he have left to to see what he does have left to see is as the uh as the vin and her coloss army rapidly make short work of this she then immediately she she just gets to uh general says uh straff is dead the other leaders are dead uh i'm in charge now which uh general picks up on real quick good on him <laughs> and uh this is this is the payoff to luthadel being or um uh not just luthadel but skadriel being bad at democracy uh <laughs> is uh Ellen's in charge now, because Vin says so. (laughs) (laughs) The people finally get what they want. Yeah, I... We're we're chuckling about it, but I had a kind of uneasy feeling at the end of this part. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I I, I would hope it's... There's two things here that I hope are intentionally off-putting. The first is one that I've talked briefly about. Um which is that uh, if Condro and Coloss, the fact that Condro and Coloss are related and they are inhumane and monstrous and I don't know what the solution is on what to do about the Coloss, but they can think and they can speak and they have free will and it is a little fucked up to just be like, yeah, I'm just going to mind control all of them and they have to do exactly what I say. For, for that to be the solution, it's a relief that they're not killing citizens anymore, but then she just turns around and says, all right, now they're going to do whatever I say, including killing other armies, um, is a little messed up. And then, yeah, on top of that, after all of this talk about democracy and values, Vin is just like, I will kill you if you don't bow down. So you're just going to have to bow down now. And I love that Set points out, Ellen wouldn't like this. And Vin just goes, he's not here. I'm here. And you're going to have to bow down. <laughs> um, it's a very... It's 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 not Kelsier levels quite, but it's bordering on the Kelsier level of like a lot of this would be a villainous move if this were a different story. Yeah, if we had a slightly ominous soundtrack playing under it. Uh, yeah, no, legit. There's a there's a point that it reminded me a lot of at the end of Clone Wars. There's a point where the audience knows Order sixty six is coming soon, um, but we see the clones get this big victory, and then we see the aftermath of the victory. And the soundtrack is very ominous and scary and quiet about it. And 
up until now, every single time the the Republic army is victorious, it's seen as a good thing. And this one time, it's like, no, this is actually a little bit scary, depending on your perspective. Um, yeah, that that just reminded me of a very of of gave similar vibes of this is there's a little bit here that's a little bit unsettling um, about the process. But after that, uh, which we can we can definitely look at how that's going to um, pay off when Ellen actually gets back. Uh, the last thing before the uh, the chapter, well, the second last thing is Vin again being the best and most relatable character, saying, "I'm going to sleep. Do not bother me." <laughs> but then the very last thing is Sazed. Uh, realizing that the things that the idea that he's been kind of a little bit entertaining uh he's he's bought in now is that vin is the hero of ages and we will need to see what she needs to do to to save the world Hmm. once more i find the very last sentence here a little bit strange i don't know why we have to focus on the gender when that's already a concept that says has brought up and said yeah, yeah it's it could be this I kind of wish that last sentence was gone and it was just Sazed like really thinking about the prophecy and ending on he created kingdoms and then destroyed them as he made the world anew. I don't know. But that is, uh, that's the end of part five. We have, uh, we've wrapped up, like, there. there's a way that these plots get kind of nested in each other where uh, we get a a plot that opens up and then another plot inside that that opens up, and then we have to close the second one and then close the first one. So we're kind mm-hmm. of unwinding this this stack that we've made. Uh, and we've we've gotten most of the way through it. Uh, the literal actual Well of Ascension is really the only notable thing left because, you know, we've... Uh, the armies are now defeated. Um, Elend is the ruler for better or worse and yeah but it it does not feel like it's time for this book to end yet because we've got uh we've got four more chapters in an epilogue to see what we have left i was gonna say i've got good news and then the book is not done yeah we've got work to do still some book left in this book (laughs) there's a lot of book left in this book sure is but there's not much book to put that book into so let's discuss how it, what what happens with the rest of the book in this book. Yeah. There are a couple of characters who show up here. Most of them die. <laughs> Do we want to to talk casting before we we go on to the rest of the book in this book? All I got is Gennaro. Yeah, he does have uh a, I know I I dismissed him earlier when we first saw him, but he does have a little bit more of a part to play and so I think it's it's worth if you've got someone in mind we can we can put him on the list. Yeah, I just have a uh, Troy Mundle without a beard, without a massive beard. Uh just a guy. He's not like, you know, you can just use him. <laughs> I don't want to use like a, a you know, a Ryan Reynolds or whatever. He's he's fine. Nothing against Troy Mundle, but you know, he's not like a Okay. huge star. Yeah, I mean, that's all we need. We need a a, a mental image somebody yeah yeah i'll stick with richard madden i i i I, he's he's a hot boy that i probably could use for something else but um 
there's plenty of hot boys out there, so we'll give that one to Richard Madden. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I don't even know what he looks like, but Trevor Hoffman is the name of the guy who voiced Ben in Walking Dead. So that's that's your general beads. That's who that is. All right, then. I, I'm getting a picture from the Padres. That is also <laughs> who I got. <laughs> ah, Caleb Guest's a baseball player. Aha, uh-huh. there are uh there's one extra N in his in Trevor Hoffman's name. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> would it be wild if there was just a guy who was a professional baseball player and also a voice actor. That would be strange. But also the perfect person to appear in this movie, apparently. Yes. Alright, yeah. We uh we've got that wrapped up. Uh it is it is not the the time in this book to talk casting at the moment. Because we have uh, we have Ellen in charge now, somehow with with Vin asserting that. Uh, we have Kolos who are under control apparently, and we have a well of ascension somewhere maybe that Vin needs to get to. So, uh, Sam, had you mentioned something that you wanted to? Yes. Yes, I did. Uh, I have a I have a, a Rashik Penrod here. This is this is a swinging for the fences. Okay. So I'm I'm gonna swing for the fences. Uh, here's my questions that I came up with that I address. Uh, why does the Miss Spirit want Ellen dead? Which is kind of from the last section, but I'm answering it now. Uh, what happens when Ellen and Spook get back? Where the fuck are the Inquisitors? What's the next book gonna be about? And then uh, epigraphs, the fuck. <laughs> so, uh, that's a good right, question. Let's, let's go into it. Uh, so, the misspirit wants Ellen dead because, stay tuned. Uh, when Ellen and Spook get back, everything <laughs> will be brighter, I guess. Stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. Stay tuned. Uh, when Ellen and Spook get back, everything will be better for a time. Um, Ellen will, in fact, be a de facto king. Uh, which is obvious because Vin made Janarl and others swear loyalty. Uh, the Inquisitors, please hold. Um, all right. That's actually the end of Sam's theories. He's just saying, wait, read the book. <laughs> That's it. Next time. Please. Next time I'll get back to you on this. <laughs> You'll all see. I'll, I'm leaving a silent prediction. No. It's a power move. Uh, all right. So epigraphs. Here's the fuck. Uh, so what do we know? Um, the epigraphs are being changed. Uh, in some places significantly. Uh, the Hero of Ages fit Elendi to a T, and they're being modified now to fit Vin to a T. Uh, and they're also being modified to kind of minimize Quan's warnings about the well, uh, saying, like, she must not reach the well. He must not blah, blah, blah. That section was very obsequiously removed by somebody. Um, and we also know that Vin believes the well is in Luthadel, even though it's a large hole in the ground. So... Uh, what's the fucking point of this bloviating nonsense at the start of every chapter? Well, uh, huh, pardon the pun, well. Uh, I pictured the well as a literal well, one where you drink ghosty water and become great or whatever. Um, here's my, here's my swing. Uh, the well didn't store allomancy, it stored a thing. A bad thing. Uh, and that thing is what's been changing the rubbings. Thus, 
why Elendi said that the deepness had an intelligence in his epigraphs from the last book. Uh, Quan realized a little too late that Elendi was too good of a person. Uh, he'd be duped into this thing and giving it its way. Uh, and that's why Quan still likes Elendi, but wants him dead. Um, let's see. Uh, the Hero of Ages... Elendi was the Hero of Ages. Vin is the Hero of Ages. The Hero of Ages is just a person who's strong enough to release it, not someone who will lead the world in a kumbaya drum circle. That's its job, and it's bad at it. So, uh, where does that leave the deepness and the adium? Uh, the well wasn't moved, but what was in it was. Uh, Rashik, the Lord Ruler, um, took this thing prisoner, moved it to Luthadel, and the adium's gone. We know that. Because Rashek was using the adium. I think I predicted this, like, a while ago? He's using the adium to kind of keep it suppressed. Maybe to keep it asleep? Um, and the deepness returning is this thing waking up because there's no more adium going to it. Uh, the bronze pulses are because this thing is allomantic. Uh, pulses don't lead her to the well, but to what was in it. Um... The Kolos and the Kanja are the spawn of this thing that was formerly in the well. Uh, I'm trying to hurry. I'll keep hurrying. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm loving this. All right. Uh, where does that leave Alamancy? How did it come out of the Ascension? Um, in exchange for, quote-unquote, setting it free, Rashek obtained powers from it. Um, Rashek did not do exactly what Quan wanted. Uh, he took the power for himself by capturing the thing in the well instead of killing it or leaving it alone. Um, how is it hereditary? I don't know. I'm really hoping Rashik didn't fuck it. Uh, but that <laughs> might have happened. I don't know. Somehow Rashik fucked. <laughs> somehow. <laughs> Rashik I mean, somehow fucked. Somehow Palpatine fucked. Let's be real. Yeah. How did that happen? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Alright, so. Uh, how did Quan know that the well holds this spooky thing? And how do we not know? Uh, because Quan read holy books that were extirpated by the Lord Ruler. They were destroyed. Um, says it, religious scholar, though he may be, he's got, uh, what, what's, what's, what's called? Oral histories. He's got oral histories, but he doesn't have the stuff. He's just got what people remember of the stuff. So he's got the epigraphs, and that's it. He doesn't have the actual texts. Because they were destroyed. Uh, possibly to keep people from learning about this thing. Interesting. I just realized that and didn't write it down. Uh, where are the Inquisitors? Uh, I, because they have the original unmodified epigraph and know the truth about what is or was in the well, uh, and we know that an Inquisitor, maybe not Marsh, who knows, uh, was poking around Credit Shaw. Uh, they might not know where the thing is, but they probably know it's in Credit Shaw. Uh, do they want to release it? Do they want to kill it? They were the stewards of it. So presumably they just want to make sure it won't destroy the world. <laughs> um, you know, however they do that, I'm not sure. Uh, why does the Miss Spirit want Ellen dead? Uh, this one, I kind of took a meandering path, but I think I got it. Um, what do we know about it? Uh, it defenestrated Vin. It's an extension of the thing in the well. It followed Elendi to the well. Uh, we know it stabbed Fedek because he discovered a lake. Uh, uh, 
I don't really know what that's about, but it was like in the same epigraph, Fedek discovered a lake. Also, he was stabbed. Okay. Uh, and it modified the rubbings, I'm assuming, or possessed someone to make them do it. Given the existence of the mist spirit itself, I'm going with the former, that it, it did itself. Um, therefore, it wants Elend dead because Elend would tell Vin to not release it. It attacks voices of reason people who would keep the person from releasing it uh so uh how did no one in the final empire notice know about or guess that the well held this creature for a thousand years because they had atium wealth makes people turn a blind eye to obvious things uh the ska didn't even know about alamancy so they wouldn't have known the, they don't know the byproduct of this thing exists so they wouldn't know the thing exists um and i believe that uh, the next book is going to be about defeating the thing Vin releases. I think uh, Brandon needs a big punch to convince publishers to publish his next book. And there you go. Uh, I think Wait, that's sorry. a big enough punch. How well did these first two books sell? Uh, I mean, they, I don't know. they were his second and third books. This is still early in his career. I do believe the first one was a New York Times bestseller. And Well, yeah. You know what I mean. You want to keep the reader entertained. You want to keep That's people wanting That's more. fair. Give That's him a fair. show. It's also not actually that hard to be a New York Times bestseller. Don't tell nobody. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> publishing logistics aside, also, Sam, I think you were almost at the end, or? Yeah, that's it. Okay. Wait, no, sorry. What the fuck is up with Penrod? You said Rashek. You led this with Rashek Penrod. What does that mean? <laughs> oh, uh, it's a prediction that is either uh, Rashik is the Lord Ruler or Penrod tried to assassinate yeah. Elend. Okay, that's that's your scale <laughs> of prediction successes. Of, gotcha. of Sam okay. correctness. <laughs> gotcha. I thought you were saying that you had a like Penrod secretly is Rashik theory, and I had no <laughs> yes. idea where you're going with that. <laughs> it's me, Austin. How many times are we going to bring up it's me, Austin? I don't know. Here's oh, another one. Not enough. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> at least enough. one more. Okay, I that that was delightful because I like the beginning of your your thoughts started with a lot of the stuff that Caleb sort of teed up last week. I guess is the verb I'm using, and then not even that you started disagreeing with him, but just like started forging down a new path which is, is fun to see how your brains work. Yeah, I uh, I want to kind of like unpack and see like what what is the consequences of... Um, I, I like the idea of Alendi was too good of a person because, yeah, that was a lot of what Quan was talking about. And like we joked about how he just needs to shut up and get to the point, but like <laughs> he did write that presumably for a reason um and then that's it's interesting then because we've seen like i think we would say that vin is a good person but also like the way that this last chapter just ended with her going to these two armies at sword point and saying you will swear to ellen or i kill you like what would vin do at the well if this is if this is the the path forward it's, I mean, there are some things that, if if I'm right, that were changed that are just, like, 
the slightest twist. Um, the Alendi so tall thing is the most obvious like twist of it. Um, you know, it wasn't very tall, but seemed tall or, or whatever the wording was. Um, so I feel like this thing is kind of a, a surgeon as far as psychology goes. Maybe it like plays up the you know don't kill me I'm I, I'm your brother it's me Irene or I don't know something <laughs> like that emotionally manipulate her into giving it its way I don't know but yeah I swung for the fences all right I think fortunately for us there is only one part left and so we're either going to we're going to see one way or the other yeah all right then um. Caleb, with the way that this linked into your uh, predictions from the end of of last week, with the uh, the the full the full conspiracy wall, uh, I'm curious if there's um, overlap as well with what you've got coming up, or if there are are things in a different direction. Well, I mean, it's it's overlap in the fact that um, I think a lot of a lot of Sam's uh, theories just now are similar to what I uh, they're they're echoing some of the things that I was thinking about last week, um, and kind of building on that. And yeah, I don't there's there's a lot in there that I'm I'm curious if Sam might be onto something, um, but I actually don't have a lot new this week. Um, there is one more epigraph note. Like I said, most of them are the same, but there was one more uh, distinction um, of our epigraph says, Alendi doesn't know that he has been deceived, that we've all been deceived, and he will not listen to me now. Whereas Sezed's passage said, Alendi won't know that he's been deceived in reference to Rashek deceiving him. And I remember reading that and thinking, that's a really weird sentence. That That's a funky way to be like, Rashek will mislead him. And he won't know he's been deceived. It's like that—that's not that's really how being deceived works. Add on. Yeah, we we kind of understood that from the misleading part of this. Um, so I think it's a really interesting detail that um, that it was intentional. That that's a little bit weird because that is the text being altered in some way. Um, and I agree that whatever's altering the text is a surgeon, and it seems to be a surgeon making sure to change the text in a way that people won't notice because he sees the thing about being deceived and goes, well, I have to keep something about being deceived in here, but I should phrase it in such a way. And there's honestly an interesting little bit of like, it's not a perfect fix. It's a weird sentence, but it's the best that this thing can do to make it seem like it's almost the same, even though the meaning has completely changed. Um, so I just thought that was really interesting. Um, a question that I asked last book that I have forgotten to bring up until now because it finally became relevant again. Will we ever find out who made the spikeways? Because Kelsier notes that he just kind of found them one day. Um, just, just I have no new answers or theories about that. Just another question that I thought to re-ask. Um, mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I don't have a lot new um, in regards to what I think is going to happen next. Uh, mostly just kind of double down on last week, which from my guesses about who would die in the battle, I don't know if doubling down on my guesses from last week is the best idea, but um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like um, uh, it's actually interesting. Like, yeah, so Vin is in a, an interesting place where she's now at the point where I actually could see her potentially taking the power for herself and not distributing it um, because she's kind of on this, 
power trip seems very harsh, but um, this realization that like, oh yeah, I can basically do whatever I want to protect my friends. Um, so we have to have an antagonist for the third book. So I feel like it's still going to go wrong when she accesses the powers of the Well of Ascension. But yeah, I'm so curious. Is it going to be much more of a struggle for her to decide now than it would have been otherwise? Because not only that, now we have Seizet believing fully in the prophecy and being like, yeah, shit, this is what it was all meant to be. And Seizet hasn't realized that his texts have been doctored. So like part of me is wondering, is it not going to be until the next book that the characters realize the epigraphs mm. got changed? Um, because I feel like we need our big cliffhanger to be something went horribly wrong. And that's going to be the problem they're picking up the pieces of next book. Um or at the very least, that's like last chapter or epilogue uh, thing of them realizing that. Um, but yeah, um, I think it's a very interesting idea that there's like an entity that will that that was within the well. Um, I think, for the sake of variety, I will I will uh, not put chips on that theory so that either Sam or I will be right. Um, but it's an interesting one that I'm curious uh, if that might play out. Um, but uh, yeah, in regards to the Miss Spirit, I think the Miss Spirit is just trying to convince Vin to take the power and like go to the Well of Ascension and be the hero. Um, and part of that takes the form of, I'm going to kill your boyfriend if you don't. Um, sorry, husband. Kill, kill your husband if you don't. Um, but uh, I feel like that's the main motivation there is just driving Vin to, um, to uh, get whatever's in the Well of Ascension. Um, are there, no, that actually contradicts what I thought before. Actually, yeah, the Mist Spirit would not want... Interesting, interesting. Okay, now I'm sorry. I thought I'd have a short one today, but sorry, I'm going into it again. Um, <laughs> I feel like this is the third episode in a row where you've had a revelation mid-thought. Mid oh, no. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot happening. There's just a lot of book in this book. The Mist Spirit is presumably the deepness, like the personification of the deepness. It also would have preferred um, Rashek taking up the power for himself because it meant it got suppressed and wasn't able to do anything for a thousand years, but didn't die. It wasn't defeated fully. Whereas if the power is dispersed, that might defeat the Miss Spirit fully. So maybe Miss Spirit is driving Vin to take the power of the Well of Ascension and hold it like Rashek did because. Miss Spirit knows, okay, at least I will survive that way. Um, and whatever is changing the texts wants Vin to take out the power and then disperse it, which Quan did not want to have happen. Um, so I feel like what might be what might be end game of this book is Mist Spirit starts really fucking shit up. There's that's the sense of urgency. Because my main question was like, what's the sense of urgency now? The armies are gone. There is the Mist Spirit, which is scary, but like urgency is no longer i don't feel that as much because all the armies are gone but the misspirit can cause urgency by fucking shit up by wounding elend and perhaps almost killing him that will motivate vin to be like i gotta find the well right now the coloss can't fix this i can't fix this on my own i gotta get something else um he's going to get the power use it to defeat the mist spirit or at least uh, uh suppress it again like the lord ruler did and then that will be where she has to make the choice to keep it for herself or disperse it and I still think she is going to disperse it because I think that is going to cause a massive, massive problem that Quan was worried about. And that will be our our main baddie for part three. I'm sticking with that. 
Um, and I think I, I'm realizing now that perhaps the Miss Spirit is trying to get Vin to do something different. And it's kind of between a rock and a hard place of, do you deal with the Miss Spirit or do you deal with the devil you don't know um, of whatever the fuck's happening? And uh, I think that's probably also tied to the voice of God that Zane was hearing. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck was the deal with that. How is Zane dead? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, um, those are most of my theories on how I think the end game is going to go. But I do have one massive thing. I, I've, I've had a lot of thoughts about the past two books and I've kind of become born again uh, in regards to a very specific aspect of the plot. Um, in the book, we, we have this theme about the church of the survivor and the heir of the survivor. And they're talking about Kelsey or they're talking about Vin. And I just, I want to share with you what my new thoughts are is that the church of the survivor is worshiping the wrong person. They really need to be worshiping the true hero of ages, our savior, the true survivor, Lord Hammond, who cannot die. <laughs> he cannot and will not die. I have been wrong for so, so long. I, Caleb, am a fraud. But in fact, Ham is the key to all of this. He is undying, unbroken, slightly broken, but undying. No matter what happens, he will survive through it all. I, I think I, I am looking forward to era two in which immortal ham is the mentor figure <laughs> to all of the characters going forward. Ham simply cannot die. He's the true survivor. And I just hope that, that my siblings in the church of the true survivor will join <laughs> me in spreading the good word. I have put all of this in the main prediction column, by the way. <laughs> I, I feel like this is a, a sharp turn in the podcast lore that even I was not expecting. <laughs> you know, it wouldn't be Sanderson without a massive twist to throw your way. That's true. It's true. If Ham dies in the third book, I'm going to fucking lose it, guys. I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. All right. That's all I got. <laughs> yeah. I guess this is the part where we go read the end of the book. Because that's like, that's just what needs to happen now. So that we can figure out. We, we've had two back to back uh, with Sam this week and Caleb last week of uh, make or break predictions. And I want to see which way they fall. I mean, I know which way they fall. I know the end of the book, but I want to talk about which way they fall. Yeah, I want to talk about if they got make or breaked. It is interesting. I did look on the first page. It's interesting that it starts with Vin tried to cry at Ham's funeral, but the tears just wouldn't come. The Miss Spirit <laughs> got to him right away. <laughs> Spoilers. Sorry. I just was so excited. What is the very beginning of the next section? Which, by the way, is called Words in Steel. Okay. It's not a super dramatic thing right when we turn the page. Just had to check. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, in that case, I think we should uh, wrap this episode up so that we can uh, head on to the rest of our, our weekend of multiple recordings. So I will let everyone know that uh, you can find this episode and all of our past and future episodes at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. 
uh, as well as emailing us at contact at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. Uh, we got a uh, another message uh, this past week. Uh, we, Sorry, give me one second. I will cut this gap. Don't cut it. The sounds of your keyboard are so satisfying. <laughs> I wasn't typing anything. I was just because. Uh, yes, sorry. Uh, we got another message this past week uh, from Adam. Thank you again for, for emailing us. Uh, Adam had some some thoughts on the end of the book, uh, which were very well timed for when we were going to be discussing them. Uh, but the stuff on the actual ending, we will we'll have to pick up next episode. Um, but I do also want to add that, Adam, uh, that one joke, that was definitely for you. You're welcome. Bespoke. You're welcome, Adam. Bespoke joke. Enjoy your bespoke you. joke. Uh you can also find uh, our podcast and also some other jokes, though not quite as bespoke, uh, on both Twitter <laughs> at alwaysanotherpod uh, and Instagram at alwaysanotherpod. Uh, Caleb, I'm guessing we've got uh, we've got some good ones in store. Uh, well, I mean, by the pe- time people hear yeah. this, they will have heard the big one I'm planning. Time is weird. Um, but uh, yes, a weird soup. I I will put my best effort in to make some good ones for this episode too, even though I have no idea what they're going to be yet. <laughs> All right, uh, and other than that, I think we should uh, we should take our leave, uh, head off to uh, work or whatever, as we are doing an early morning yeah. recording, and then do some reading. And uh, I'm I'm ready to see what happens. Yeah. And, uh, and listener, I'm really sorry about the, uh, the REM joke. I'm really sorry for leaving you in anticipation.